0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Howard Jacobson here, your host. Today's episode looks at the question of how do we feed our kids when we send them to daycare? And the episode was inspired by a crisis in my own family. My great-nephew went to daycare and from having been fed a whole food plant-based diet at home, he suddenly was getting typical standard American kid fare Chicken nuggets, fish fingers, string cheese, flavored yogurts, whole milk, chocolate milk, potato chips, you name it. And he quickly went from being the picture of health to ear infections, symptoms of asthma, allergies, constant fevers, constant rounds of antibiotics, constant visits to the pediatrician and specialists, and we suspect diet. So when my niece got in touch with me and asked for my advice I reached out to some of my allies, uh, former guests on the Plant Yourself podcast, and we put together this show for you. And so we're going to look at how do you feed your kid when you have to send them away from home, when they're no longer under your control, in your hands? How do you buy the food, prep the food, store the food, send it in, uh, instruct the daycare workers, make it convenient for them, Make sure that your kid enjoys the food and it gets eaten and not thrown away. And how do you do this when, if your kid's in daycare, presumably, there's everyone in the household is working full-time? How do you not make this another full-time job? My first guest is a dear friend of the program, Dr. Anna Negron. Hey, Dr. Anna Negron, welcome. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Plant Yourself podcast.
1: Howard, a pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, so um, we, we we spoke offline a little bit about the situation that prompted this this uh, quick call, which is um, a family member has a son who started going to daycare, and they've been feeding him very well at home, whole food, plant based, no no dairy. Uh, No meat, very few processed foods, and he's doing great. And after six weeks in daycare, uh, he's got ear infections. Doctors think he may have asthma. He has breathing difficulties, getting lots of fevers. And um, the doctors want to put him on uh, inhalers and steroids. And, you know, we we asked, like, what's different? Well, he's eating string cheese, fish sticks, uh, chicken fingers, uh, fried foods, um, you know, yogurts, uh, 10% fruit drinks, all in, in short, just a lot of junk food. And the question is, how do parents on a money budget and especially a time budget um, navigate? Can, is it possible to feed your children well when they go to daycare? Um, or is the only option to, to pull them out and, and do it at home?
1: Well, first of all, as I mentioned to you before, it's very frustrating. Uh, And I share this, you know, frustration with parents who, um, uh, you know, are doing their best at home and then send them first to daycare and later to school, you know, to children being offered these um, foods that are not nutritious and that really add to the symptoms of that you mentioned, you know, um, earaches and asthma, et cetera. So first of all, I would say that yes, it is possible and just, um, you know, time constraint and budgets notwithstanding. Remember that the daycare is really all about convenience. You know, the personnel needs to be catered to so that they can take care of several children with the least amount of disruption. Um, Having said that, asthma and constipation are very common among children who are um, dairy consumers, you know, whether milk, cow's milk, or cheese. And so these foods should really not be um, represented in a child's diet let alone overrepresented like you just mentioned you know with string cheese and um, and other forms of, uh, of dairy meats and fried foods so number one I would say invest in a container with some compartments so that it's easy for the daycare personnel to open it up and see everything that you're sending their child with and there are some like good Uh, containers like Bintos, you know, with their little uh, compartments that are spill-proof. And they are similar to the the size of a child's stomach. Remember that a child's fist is more or less the size of a child's stomach. So you're not going to really send them with a lot of foods that are too large, you know, for their little stomachs. Mm -hmm. Um, Know your child's preference, whether they want crunchy, mushy, sweet, or savory, and then I'm going to get into, you know, what can you prepare ahead of time. Because if we want our children to be nourished, we have to do the cooking. We can't really really leave it up to others. And no, we should not really be saying it's... um, you know, go ahead and give them the medicine for a year. That's just unacceptable. We really have to eliminate the culprits before we think that there's any need to medicate. So um, how about baking some things ahead of time? A sweet potato, some just regular potato, and a pumpkin, uh, and maybe a beet, they all can go in the oven at the same time, 400 degrees, no peeling, no cutting, no oiling, no water, nothing. Just put them in the oven, 400 degrees for about an hour. They're ready to go. You mm-hmm. can slice them, put them in their little containers together with whatever else you're giving your child, which could be some apples with... Um, it with spiced cloves and cinnamon and baked or steamed on the stove top, and they become really like an apple sauce, but more or less to the consistency that your child would have. And you can send them with half an apple, you know, not the whole apple.
0: Mm, and, it, and that sounds like your, your evenings would be delightful at home with these smells coming out.
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. So yes, the the smell of the sweet potatoes in the in the oven, and then the apples with the cloves and the cinnamon. And mind you, you know, small childs cannot really participate, but even a two, three, four year old um, include their senses. Um, you know, let them smell some of the seasonings that you are going to use for the apples or for the potatoes, or and watch their expressions, and they might really. Um give you you know a key or a cue as to what would be the best thing um, to include in their in their lunch. try them out at home of course before you send them to the daycare. Another thing you can uh, prepare ahead of time because I emphasize we really should have like a couple hours a week where we prepare and a moderate amount of food; they can last us for the week, and that you can then just simply put in containers for yourself or your child on the go. Does this make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So, so a good time might be sometime over the weekend, maybe a Sunday afternoon after you've had time to do the shopping.
1: I, indeed, but remember that when you put stuff in the oven, they, it doesn't require any kind of watching, so it could be any evening. You can put this in the oven, put set the timer, and when it's done, you just let it cool, and then put it in the refrigerator, and mm. you're done. So
0: you're, 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 done. Ta- you're talking about single foods that are very, uh-huh. very, very, very tasty, very easy to make, will keep for a while, and kids tend to like.
1: And they are... You know, chock full of nutrients, carotenes, fiber, water, vitamins. Yes, absolutely. We don't really have to go to the tried and true, I don't know, what are the recipes? You know, it's not a recipe, it's really foods. What we should be eating is whole foods. Didn't you co-write a book entitled that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll check my shelf, yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, uh, how about dates? You know, you can pick dates and then stuff them with what? Depends on the size of, I mean the age of your child with um, how about carrot sticks? Dates and carrots. You know you are adding again um, a blend of or a mix of flavors there or you can stuff the dates with pomegranate seeds Um, or little apple wedges Um, just take your pick, you know Celery sticks, again, depending on your child's preference, if they like crunchy things, if they like mushy things, if they're more sweet-taste or they go for savory, you're going to cater to their taste because that's how you're going to get the container empty on the way home as opposed to, <laughs> just you know, half full.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can prepare some tempeh uh, instead of fries, which I know is are still, believe it or not, Served in schools, um, you can have tempeh strips. You know, tempeh is this uh, fermented soy cake that is sold um, shrink wrapped, and you can slice it in quarter-inch slabs, marinated in some balsamic vinegar or salsa for just a couple of minutes while you get the pan ready and just put a little bit of oil on the bottom. So it doesn't stick as the soybeans are oily themselves. And then simply turn medium heat and let them crisp. They can be put in one of the little containers. Again, remember the size of a child's stomach. So, you know, put two or three of those. That's it. Mm. Um, you I, I, I have time perhaps for just one or two other recipes and I would um, direct people to the website where I put yesterday, indeed, some pictures, you know, that um, show some of these things that I'm talking about.
0: Great. So I'll, I'll put a link to the, it's greensonabudget.org. Correct. And if you click on recipes or how do you say right. it in Spanish? Recitas?
1: If they're in English and Spanish, and the ones that I'm talking about are under snacks for children.
0: There they are. So there's a little
1: yeah link to that. So the polenta is a, is a, is something that really would be wonderful because it gels as a little pie, and you can cut it in wedges and put it in one of the contain you know container um, sections. But the polenta, if people are familiar with it, is this coarse ground corn. You can start cooking it with a lot of water and then towards the middle, put it on a pie um, mold and then add anything you want to it. And you can add, you know, chopped up steamed kale, shredded carrots, um, cooked lentils. You can add um, olives. You can add whatever, you know, your child's preference is and it will Gel similar to the old fashioned jellos. Remember the jellos that yeah, we used to uh-huh. make, jello molds?
0: Uh-huh, like uh-huh.
1: that. And once it cools, it, you can cut it in pie shape so that every little bit of whatever you put in the mix will be represented in the wedge. And it's this colorful yellow and, you know, uh, with a lot of little, like confetti on the inside.
0: Ooh, that, that looks like dinner tonight, in fact. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you one more question, if you have another minute.
1: I, I uh, do, indeed, for you, I do. Oh,
0: thanks. Um, so they they were sending um, their son to school with, with a carton of almond milk. Um, you know, yes. they would just keep it in the fridge, and when everyone else got their whole milk or their chocolate milk, he got almond milk. But one day they ran out, and so then they, they gave him a glass of milk, um, what do you recommend for beverages for um, you know one one to three to four year olds?
1: Yes, well, what I recommend for for beverages, agua, water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I I have to remind myself that any kind of almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, you know, any kind of milk is a beverage. Uh, of course, we really value them for the added calcium, but if we're using foods that have calcium in them, uh, we really don't have to be so hell-bent on, sorry, so, uh, you know, on (laughs) on using uh, using a white beverage. Um, uh, Again, the size of a child's stomach, you know, I don't want it filled with a liquid, and then they won't have the Brussels sprouts or the dates or the pumpkin or the tempeh. To me, that's a lot more important.
0: Hmm. Okay. And, and, and any hints about dealing with maybe when your child gets a little older and they notice that they're getting different food and they're not getting the, you know, the big hits of salt, sugar, and fat, um, to to, you know, keep the peace so they don't end up dumping their stuff and trading, for uh, for other kids' food.
1: Well, uh, you know what I hope is that. Uh, we do somehow change our curriculum to include a kitchen, you know, as part of um, the curriculum. But a child who's developing a discriminating palate, you know, will really uh, be more grounded and able to speak more interestingly about food. And, you know, if he brings some things that he really likes and he or she likes to make, at home, um, he will have um, something to say about the, the food um, that will not be disparaging. Mm. Uh, there is, of course, a time during a child's career <laughs> when they really want to fit in and they don't want to be different. So, you know, trying to have some of the children's, your, your children's friends over for Cooking, you know, parties, let's say, um, might make, you know, strengthening numbers so that he or she's not the only one that knows about these foods. So I encourage, you know, parents to really, I'm I'm sure there are many parents who are really disgruntled about the kind of food that they get at school. So it would be a step in the right direction, you know, to improve food literacy, um, not just in your home but with your children's friends.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much. This is, you've packed a huge amount of valuable information. I can't wait to share this interview um, with my niece. Um, And if people want to find out more about you and about what you do, uh, how can they do so?
1: Well, they can just go to the website, and uh, there is a link to email me or, you know, Yes. Consult with me. Whatever.
0: Fantastic. Well, Dr. Ana Negron, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your wisdom with us today.
1: Howard, a pleasure. Thank you. Okay.
0: Be well. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Next, we're joined on the show by Chef AJ, who shares a ton of wonderful ideas. Hi, Howard. So we were just discussing the the ins and outs of, of the daycare situation, and so what's what's your advice to a working parent who sends their young child, in this case uh, just over a year, but you know one year, two years, three years, to out of the house for the first time, and you don't really have the same level of supervision or, or control. How do yeah, control, control. How do you, how do
2: you well, feed them you know, without? I would say what you what you do with a one-year-old child is what you would do with a child of any age and what you would do with yourself when you eat outside the home. I Actually, when we met on the cruise, I actually sort of gave a lecture that discussed this, which was how to eat healthily when you're not at home. And you take these same principles, but of course you scale them down, you know, to what the child can eat as far as quantity and what is within their diet, whether they have teeth or what they're eating. So, you know, there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it Howard, if you, if you fail to plan, plan to fail. And If you want to eat healthy in this world that is not set up for you to eat healthy, you are going to have to plan more than a person that is just willing to eat anything and go through the drive-thru. And and I'll give you an example. So I've never had children. So you could say, well, what does this lady know about feeding kids? Well, a lot because I have thousands of clients that have kids. I have 13 nieces and nephews. And I have friends that have kids. And to give you an example, my friend Michelle, when she had her baby Zander, She was really stressed, and I said, okay, well, let me take you to a yoga class and 90 minutes so you can relax. And so she brought the kid here, and her mother watched the kid in my home while we went away for yoga for 90 minutes, which means that this kid was in my house for only two hours. Now, when she came over, she had what I swear was a suitcase for a week vacation. I mean, they sell things that parents actually buy so that when her baby needed anything during those two hours when she was gone, that kid would have it. The grandmother would be the one administering it. But it had pockets for the wipes and the diapies and the breast milk and the toy and the book and, you know, all these things that you have for a baby. But it's like she did not leave home without it. And she didn't think of it as inconvenient or expensive to have to do this because when you love someone and, you, and your your health and their health is your number one priority, this is what you do as parents and she does this to this day. Now the kid's are a little bit older so maybe the food has changed and it really opened my eyes to see that if this mother is willing to do this for this baby she loves so much, why aren't we willing to even do it for ourselves? And I don't go anywhere without, you know, with a cooler anywhere, anywhere, not even for just some errands. So... What the parent needs to do is since it sounds like they're not having choices that're appropriate in daycare the first thing I would do is try to talk to them and explain the importance of having appropriate choices, at least as options. I would give them a copy of Dr. Furman's book, Disease Proof Your Child." We are not brought up believing that diet has anything to do with health and the exact opposite is true if you read anything written by any doctor or watch forks overnight, we know that diet, and nutrition has a profound effect on how you look and how you feel and now we know what diseases you get and what diseases you can reverse. And and if you eat the way Americans eat, you will get their diseases. Obesity, heart disease, type two diabetes, autoimmune disease and probably certain cancers as well. And in Dr. Furman's book he explains that what a child eats the first ten years of life really is going to set the stage for whether or not they get these diseases. And he actually goes further and says he believes that almost all adult cancers are caused by the nutrition the child gets the first 10 years. So I take this very seriously and say that they need to really step it up and do everything to make sure that for those formative years, they're getting the foods they need. So if the daycare will not be compliant, and and that's not to say that they have to offer healthy choices to everyone, but I think like in schools, at least it should be an option. And from what I understand, at least in public schools, it's generally not. Then you have to provide for yourself. And so it doesn't have to be rocket science, it doesn't have to be hard. My question would be to the parent, what are you feeding the kid at home? On the weekends, what did you feed the kid before daycare? And, you know, you got Costco, you got stores, you can buy a little Tupperware. If you don't like plastic, you get it in glass and give the kid that food. You know, we have a thing that in this country, breakfast has to be something sugary like Captain Crunch or caffeinated like coffee and lunch has to be like a sandwich or a pizza or a hamburger or, you know, we have these these rules that, that meals have to be a certain way. But from what I understand watching children is they pretty much eat what they want when they want and they eat when they're hungry. So as long as you have appropriate food, it doesn't matter if it's a banana or a cereal or whatever the kid eats, but just have it and send it there. Now I'm guessing that this daycare probably has a refrigerator. I would hope so. And so maybe the parent doesn't even have to send a, a thing every day. But for instance, let's say they make a recipe like an overnight newsleak, which keeps the week in the fridge. Make enough for the week and have them give that as one of the options to the child when they're hungry. Buy fruit. I, now again, I don't know what, how young kids are when they can eat certain textures, but if they can eat things like nuts or dried fruits, you know, there's those are all those are calorie dense snacks that are really good. If other kids are having, you know, cookies or things like that, you can make very very healthy cookies too. But you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to. Plan. I know you're tired and you're working hard, but. You're going to have to spend some time on your evenings or your weekends or whatever your day off is preparing the food. A lot of it can be frozen. You can make healthy cookies. You can make healthy cereal. I make everything from scratch. It's really not that hard once you learn how, but food is always just a really, really, excuse me, fruit is always a really good choice. You know, I'm not saying to go, you know, steam kale in your Instant Pot and then have the daycare provide feed that to your kid, not, not, not. Saying that with a child, but you know, fruit, grapes, kids—I mean, things that kids can pick up. Baby carrot sticks, whatever the kid likes at home, have it for them there. You can get little yogurts now that, that don't have sugar, that don't have dairy. There's coconut and all—you know, different kinds, rice and almond. So it's not that it's hard; it's just that you're not used to doing it. Once you start getting used to doing it, it becomes a, a priority. The other thing, Howard, is is like, for example, I'm definitely allergic to milk, and. I'm imagining that whoever this parent is, if they had a child that was allergic to milk, they would take every precaution and every effort to articulate to these daycare workers that under no circumstances can their child have milk, nor would they prepare food with it. Well, you know, think about it these things that the kid is eating, whether they're animal products or processed food, think of it as an allergy because your kid will break out, maybe not today or tomorrow, but in 10 years, in 20 years with things like obesity and heart disease and autoimmune disease and type 2 diabetes and possibly cancer. So you just have to really take this seriously that these kinds of foods are poison. And, you know, if this is the only option to be in that daycare, then you're going to have to make it work by preparing food. Try to find a daycare that maybe will be more amenable or educate the people in the daycare. Give them a copy of Forks Overnight. Night. Give them a copy of Dr. Furman's book. I mean, it's a shame to me that this is even legal to feed the kids the kind of stuff that we're feeding them. Um, in public school, it sounds like this daycare is something that they're paying for, and if you're paying for something, you know, public school might, I'm understanding, is free. I guess you pay with your taxes. You should be able to get what you want, you know? I mean, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I mean, I know it's never going to be as convenient as just taking what is given to you, but think about it. There's no such thing as a free lunch hour. You know, I was thinking today that preparing to go to Florida on Friday, and I'm tired. I've been on the road for four years. I'm on a plane every week, and I was thinking how different it was when I was younger, and I used to fly, and we used to have meals. Now, I've been vegan for 37 years, and I don't know what regular airplane food tasted like, but vegan airplane food really was terrible, and you could barely eat it. It was disgusting. And I couldn't figure out why people would eat this disgusting food. There's a mentality in our society that if something is free, you have to eat it. And, and and that's kind of, I think, what a little bit is happening here at Daycare. Maybe the parent is feeling, well, I'm already paying for this, and they're not going to provide the snacks. Well, you know, No, it's not free. There's a cost. You know, pay the grocer, pay the doctor. Um, So, you know, I I mean, you can actually go, you know, believe it or not, on a plane from L.A. to New York without eating a meal. I've actually done it. You know, believe it or not, you cannot eat for five hours. Now, I'm not saying to do that with a kid and starve them till you get home, but what I would do is feed them as nutritious as a breakfast as you can and as much as the kid is willing to eat. You don't want to force feed the kid, overfeed the kid because of the snacks there, but, you know, things like, uh, even though I don't believe in green smoothies for people that are, like, trying to lose weight for kids, that's a great thing. Um, oatmeal, whatever the kid would normally eat for breakfast, give them a nice, big, foundation before they get out the door you know you can live on fruit for a few hours if there's nothing else there it's not enough calories but you know fruit is great potatoes things things with a lot of satiety rice I mean I mean my gosh I when I'm on a plane for a really long time I take rice and potatoes and I'm fine you know for eight or twelve hours so that's what I say treat your kid like you would, you know, i like, what can I say? I don't have i I'm going to say like your dog because I love my dog. But, you know, you love your kid. That's probably why you had the kid. You want the best for your kid and you have to realize that nutrition is really the foundation of everything, the foundation of learning, the foundation of health. And, you know, you, you are what you eat. And if you feed them, you know, inferior food and processed food and animal products and dairy, you will have the results that you have with your infections and, you know, pop, possibly weight gain and you know, just they're not gonna thrive and you want your kid to thrive and so just think of them as you would this precious little being that you have and you want the best for them and you just will have to take a little bit more time, make a little bit more effort. And it can be done. Freeze the things, buy those little, um, you know, Jennifer McCann has a book called Vegan Lunchbox where she makes it really cute and fun and kids love shapes. If you're making them, say, like an almond butter or peanut butter, if they can have peanuts and, and jelly sandwich on like an Ezekiel bread, you take a cookie cutter that's shaped like a you know, like hard if it's a girl or whatever shapes they like. And, you know, kids like things like that. They like things they can pick up. You know, and I have a friend who, well, you know, Sharon McCrae, she'd be a great one to ask for this because she's raised three kids completely, not only vegan, but whole food, plant-based, SOS-free. And, you know, they're like these freaks in Baltimore. But the reality is is you
0: know,
2: their food is so good that other people actually want it. When they make some of the recipes from my book on process, their friends are begging for it. So, um, you know, don't be so... Um, you know, I, I mean I know it's hard if you got a lot to do, but man, you know, you gotta just do it. You gotta do it. What can I tell you? Because if your kid gets sick, you're gonna be spending a lot more time and a lot more money in the healthcare system than you are prepping that food.
0: Right on, right on. Can I follow up on yep. on one thought, which is you sure. mentioned you mentioned the muesli which you could make yep. in advance and it would keep in the fridge for a while. Can you think of some other things? So, you know, I love the idea of like two hours on Sunday to prep for sure. the week, Can you think of other things you could do Absolutely. just on Sunday <laughs> and then, you know, send it in and keep it in the fridge or the freezer or just dry goods? Absolutely. What, what have you got? Sure thing. Well, one of the
2: things you, you know, I, I think that everyone should do, whether they're even, you know, not even vegan, but people don't want to be cooking every single day. If you make a big pot of soup on your weekend day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, I use my pressure cooker. You can use a pot. For me, the soup changes between my nutrient rich black bean soup, my red lentil chili, and my, uh, split pea soups. so you make a big pot of soup maybe you have it for dinner Sunday night and then you take individual containers and you freeze them so thing.
0: let me interrupt you there for a second because that just that just blew my mind you're Chef AJ you know a, yeah. gaz- a gazillion recipes and you just make yeah. the same three soups over and over and over again
2: yeah And here's the thing, Howard. Research shows that people don't eat 21 different breakfasts and 21 different lunches and 21 different dinners. Maybe there's an odd person out there that's an outlier that does. But most of us eat pretty much the same thing or close to the same thing every day for breakfast and similar things for lunch and dinner. What I do is I eat from the four food groups, you know, on Dr. Neal Barnard's Power Plate, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and I vary the sauce. So I always cook a big pot of rice. I always cook a big pot of beans. When I bake a potato, I don't bake one potato. I bake several that will last several days. They're great cold as snacks with hummus or salsa. So yeah, you do have to learn to do food prep if you want to stay on this lifestyle, whether you have a baby or not. It's the only way to make it sustainable because if you eat restaurant food and fast food, it's not going to be healthy. And it actually in the long run, it's going to end up costing you more money.
0: How do you travel with your foods? What what sort of containers and do you, do you keep things warm or you just eat them cold sure. or rely on um, microwaves?
2: Well, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't keep them warm, um, at least not while I'm on the plane. I have what's called like a purse cooler because I'm female. I mean, I think you can get one if you're a guy that doesn't look so purse but mine actually looks like a woman's purse and the reason I bought that one is actually Sharon McCray gave it to me, Is so that when I go to places like the theater or fancy restaurants, people don't check it. It looks like a purse, but it actually has the insulation and a place to put the ice chip inside. So what I always have with me is the, is things, the things that need refrigeration. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure I, I really need that much refrigeration when I'm on the plane because the potatoes that I've already cooked, even the rice, they can pretty much be at room temperature for a few hours as can the... Um, as can the fruit. Um, so what would I have in there? Maybe, maybe oh, you know what I do is if I made like a soup, I that will be my ice chip. So that when I get to my destination, then in my hotel I could microwave it. So that that is one thing I learned actually on the cruise from somebody in the audience. You 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 freeze individual servings of whatever lasagna, and that's your ice chip. So when you get to your destination, you have your next meal. So as long as it's not liquid, you can take it on, on a plane. That's really all they care about. It cannot be liquid. But, you know, you can take beans and rice and potatoes and vegetables, pretty much anything you want, you know, because airports are not notorious for, they're notorious for not having the healthiest of options.
0: Mm. Well, I I love this. I love the I love the idea yeah. that you're making it simple for people because obviously the longer you do this, the better you get, the less kind of mental cycles you have to spend thinking about it. But it, there's, there's exactly there, you know, you don't you don't even I mean your cookbook unprocessed is phenomenal and yeah. I would recommend that everybody Thank you. get it. But even if you don't have a cookbook, go online. You can't you can't tr- you know, you'll you'll trip over fifty different great lentil soups. Find one sure. you, find one you like. Find, so what are, what are your three soups? Uh, red lentil? Um, I, I
2: like my nut- uh, red lentil, chili, nutrient-rich black bean soup, and split pea. Those are my three favorites. but and, and I really like them. That's why I repeat them. It's not that I don't know how to cook anything else, but they're so satisfying to me and my husband that we really, really like them. And most people do have family favorites or, you know, meals that they make every week. And it's just the idea is just to make them plant-based and make enough of them and freeze the ones you can freeze in individual containers so that when you're running out the door, you take it and, and the parent by the way I'm assuming that the reason the kid is in daycare is because the parent works right. well what they're doing for the kid they do for themselves so now they're just packing two lunch bags identical obviously the grown up is going to need a greater quantity of the food but at a certain age kids start eating pretty close to what the parents are eating so what you're doing for your kid you do for yourself so you can, now you have a healthy lunch at work and, and as far as dinners you know you can be putting your food in the crock pot before you leave for work so that when you come home dinner's ready that's another great suggestion, and uh, believe it or not, to get somebody to help with food prep, you don't have to have a chef like myself. There's often, on, you can find these ads on, like, if you have a local community college, where you can get a college student, we're very reasonably priced, you have somebody come in for a couple hours a week and help with the shopping and the prepping, you know, or, or the cutting, those kind of things. It's it's not as expensive as you would think, and and the payoff in the long run
0: is is priceless. Mm. And you, you know what I love about that for myself because one of one of my challenges. Is overeating, and yeah. you know, thank God I eat whole food, plant based because otherwise I'd be seven hundred sure. pounds. But me too. Yeah, but if people don't understand it's the best kept secret to
2: eat this way because we actually get to eat more food than everybody else.
0: <laughs> but but if I'm thinking about cooking extra for for leftovers for lunch the next day for me or for my kid, then mm-hmm. I'm consciously thinking about. I'm going to stop now because I want this much left over. So I don't just I do eat and eat and eat and then think, well, you know, there's not quite enough to put away. So I'll just, you know, eat the last three quarts in the pot.
2: See, it's portion control without even necessarily wanting it to be.
0: Uh-huh. That's awesome. Cool. So where, where do people go? Yeah. You mentioned muesli. You mentioned some healthy cookie recipes. Where, where should people go to find those? Well,
2: well, you know, I mean, now with the internet, honestly, you could just Google whatever it is you want to make, you know, whole food plant-based, you know, I mean, so many websites. I love fat-free vegan for a recipe. I like com. you know, uh, Healthy Growth Kitchen. These are places that have oil-free, whole food, plant-based recipes that are delicious and lots of them, too. I mean, these people give away so much of their talent and time for free and you get amazing, amazing recipes. And I'm sure there's some devoted just to kids as well because I don't have kids. I don't necessarily peruse those ones, but, you know, a recipe... Recipe is a good recipe, so it doesn't matter where you get it. Just make sure you like it and make it often.
0: Awesome. Um, anything else you'd add?
2: You no, know, just um, take care of your kid because, you know, um, they're important. <laughs> Feed them right. You know, it's really important. They're our future, and we got to start feeding them right Go see If you need inspiration on what happens when you don't feed your kid, right, go see a movie like Fed Up and see what happens when you keep feeding them animal products and processed food. You know, that's, that should do it. Or get a, a book or a video like Suicide by Sugar and see what happens when you feed them the other way. You know, that, that might scare you enough to start feeding them healthy and, and realize that, you know, I mean, if, you know, if the kid wants, if the kid was at daycare once a month or at the grandma's house once a month, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be so concerned, but it sounds like they're there five days a week. I mean, that's 20, that's, you know, 20 days a month. And, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff can happen, and plus they're around other kids who may or may not be sick. And You know, you want to keep your immunity up, and you're not going to do that if you're eating, you know, the kind of crap food that they're serving. I, I say shame on the daycare. That's what I say. You know, I think they should be uh, held to task and taken to the carpet about this, that they're even allowed to feed kids this kind of stuff, you know? Right.
0: Well, it's it's difficult because of the economics. No one's No one's willing yeah. to pay big money to take care of their kids, so everyone's cutting costs. It's all about... You know, convenience. Well, they're understaffed. You know, no, convenience.
2: Ins- I agree, but Howard, you can go. I don't know what city that's in, but I'm in L.A., where we have very expensive um, designer supermarkets. But we also have a, a chain of Latino supermarkets called Vallarta. and I can walk in there right now and for 49 cents, I can get a pound of rice, a pound of lentils, or a pound of beans. So anybody can do that right. if they choose. But what happens is, and this is a ton- This is for another call. The addiction to sugar, fat, and salt. That's why people eat the way they eat because they're basically addicted. And has it? Yes, convenience plays a part because these foods that are addictive are convenient. But that really comes down right. to it because we're raising them from an early age with lots of dairy and lots of sugar, so they won't eat things like oatmeal. That's the real.
0: Well, that's uh, that's problem. I think is the for me is the crux of the issue is yeah. once your once your kid gets used to, you know, chicken fingers, fish sticks, string cheese. Once, right. they've seen, once they've seen Paris, it's going to be hard to feed them, you know, comparatively Absolutely. bland, healthy foods. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's really the crux of the convenience issue is that most kids come in already with a taste for the processed foods and the animal products. And if the, if the daycare center went out and made them healthy food, the kids would pour it on the floor. that's
2: right and it's exactly you know people develop taste preferences for what they habitually eat and the reason kids prefer these things is because parents started feeding them dairy and macaroni and cheese and sugar at a very young age I know people that are in their 30s dr goldhammer's children wendy gabby day who only ate the kind of food we eat and they have no cravings or diseases or or interest in that other food because that's all they knew because that's all they were given and you know the thing is it's like all these parents say oh well if i don't give him chicken mcnuggets he won't eat well you know what we got for dinner at my house Howard? two choices take it or leave it kids will not starve themselves to death they just won't there's two very well-known plant-based pediatricians in l.a. that lecture extensively and they say if a kid will not eat Maybe the only other option possibly would be fruit, but do not give them cereal. Do not give them another option. The reason they won't eat the healthy food is because you provide them with an option.
0: Right. We, we, always, we always had our other option was always grapes.
2: Yeah, right. Or, you know, my, our other option was starvation. So, you know, that's the thing that, you know, you can't mollycoddle them when their health is concerned. And the thing is, is you have to take responsibility for creating this problem. You're the one that gave them the crap in the first place, so you're the one that needs to fix it. And if you weren't so addicted to that crap, you probably wouldn't have given it to them because the crap had to be in the house for for it to be in their mouth. So, again, I blame the parents. (laughs) 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 They hate me. What can I tell you? I just tell it like it is. All
0: right. Well, you know, everyone's... Everyone's doing the best they can with what they know, yeah. and right. your mission is to change what they know. And you, right. you know, you create a gap, and for a lot of people, they rush in and and are grateful and fill it. And a lot of people, the gap makes them very uncomfortable, and they take a right. long time to uh, to not be defensive about it. But you know, this, right. this
2: well, this you show know, is like for- you say. When you know better, hopefully you'll do better. But it does take some effort. It does take some planning. Don't ever expect it to be as easy as is the is the norm, because the norm is anything but normal. Right on. Well, yep.
0: Chef AJ, thank you so much. You know this this my pleasure. This show is for people who who already are. Largely doing the whole food plant based thing at home, and have just hit a little stumbling block, and it seems insurmountable. And you helped to show us that it really really isn't. So I'm so happy. Right, it
2: it is doable. Yeah, it is doable. I mean, at first it's like learning a new language, but once you learn how to, you know, conjugate those verbs and everything, you will be able to do it. And you know what? When you do something consistently, you know what happens? It becomes a habit, and you have your 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 know all your little containers in the freezer and you just pull out the ones you need for every single day and put it in the cooler or if the daycare has a fridge and it just becomes what you do you know
0: right And to add one more little behavioral piece to that when you mm-hmm. get when you get good at something like that that starts out very awkward and very time consuming and you get good at it and it becomes a habit that increases your mm-hmm. self-efficacy to do everything else better. It simply it simply Absolutely. makes you it, it's it's the habit of developing good habits.
2: Absolutely. It's like the same thing with exercise. And you, you do a great lecture on that. So you, you are the master of this. I learned so much from you. But yeah, you, you do have to do it. You have to make the effort. You know, <laughs> it's not going to be done for you. Let's put it that way. Unless you pay somebody, of course.
0: Right. Well, yep. AJ, thanks so much for taking the time. This is going to be part of a really valuable session that I know a lot of people will benefit from. And so uh, if people want to find out more about you, where do they go?
2: They go to my website which is eat like the eat like you eat food eatunprocessed.com
0: eatunprocessed.com where chef AJ yeah. tells it like it is and and feeds you delicious. Thank you. All right, be well. All
2: right, take care, Howard.
3: Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Our third and final guest for today's show is Sharon McRae, founder of Eat Well-Stay Well and a certified food coach.
3: Thank you, Howard. Good to be back
0: yeah so you uh, had a chance to listen to the the other two interviews that uh, preceded yours what would you what would you add what perspectives do you have for uh, for this issue
3: well I really enjoyed listening to the other interviews my perspective is I am a parent of three kids I didn't start feeding my kids a really healthy diet until they were well I should start by saying my twin daughters are, 15 and my son is 12. And when they were 10 and 6, they were raised vegetarian. But I decided after reading T. Colin Campbell's book, The China Study, and finding out that there was a very strong link between casein, the predominant protein in dairy, and cancer, and having a very strong family of history of cancer and having just lost my mom to breast cancer, I decided the dairy needed to come out of my kids' diets. So um, at that time, I I started using all types of cheese substitutes like the daya or diet cheese. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. And almond milk instead of regular milk and, uh, you know, those sorts of things, making their favorite dishes. But I began to realize how important it was to get that out of their diet. I subsequently read the book. And I know Chef AJ mentioned this one, Disease Proof Your Child by Dr. Joel Fuhrman. Mm -hmm. Reading that book... It was very obvious to me, I have a a background in molecular biology, and Dr. Furman talks about how during the first 10 years of development, our DNA is rapidly multiplying. And so during that time, it's the DNA sort of unfolds and then becomes more susceptible to the genetic mutations that lead to cancer in later life. And reading that really made me aware that it was so important to not only feed my kids well at home, but to make sure when they were out of the home that they ate well. So although they were not in daycare at any point, they were in school. They were in public school. And they never had school lunches because I didn't feel comfortable with them at all. So I started packing their lunches and making them really healthy. And when they would go to friends' houses, I would always talk to the parents in advance, explain that my kids ate a certain way, offer to send them with snacks or food to share. And when the other kids came here, I would always make the same kinds of foods that we eat here, but I'd make them a little special. You know, things like um, black bean brownies and kale smoothies with lots of fruit, and things like that, so that when the parents would come over, I would say, by the way, your son ate black beans and kale today. Hmm. And the parents were shocked all the time. But um, So I started taking steps to make sure that my kids ate well, wherever they were. And also, they were old enough to explain to them the very strong connection between diet and health, and especially cancer in our case, but in general health, and also exposing them at the same time to the other issues around eating animal products and processed foods. So, for instance, I showed them a movie called Veggicated, which is... um, sort of a lighter version of some of the unethical things that happened to animals. They had a scene, <clears throat> excuse me, where they showed a slaughterhouse that had been vacated and they showed what happened in the slaughterhouse. And so my kids, having never had meat, were sort of traumatized. I did that because I wanted them to understand why we ate the way that we ate on several different levels in case they ever encountered peer pressure down the road. Um, I also began taking my kids to all sorts of vegan events, you know, fairs, uh, Vegetarian Summer Fest where I met you, all kinds of potlucks, parties, etc., so that they could see that we were not alone, that we were not the only people eating this way, and they felt comfortable that this was something other people were doing, although not the majority. So, my perspective is I am extremely protective. I actually struggled to have my kids. My husband and I suffered four miscarriages before having them. So perhaps I'm a little more protective than most. And again, having the strong family history of cancer, that's something I never want my kids to go through in their lifetime. So my feeling is, above all else, I protect their health. And I wouldn't let anyone else feed them anything while they're under my control. That could potentially harm them later in life.
0: Mm. Okay, so your, your kids were already past daycare age. They were. Uh, when, so would you, I assume you, you have coaching clients who who face this. What, what are some, um, you know, I, I understand that when the kids get a little bit older, they're going to face a lot of peer pressure. They're going to face a lot of weird looks. I remember my daughter came home from school one day and announced that everyone in the school was grossed out by her lunch. I couldn't remember what I'd given her, but there was a, you know, like a shiitake mushroom in there that everyone was screaming was a slug. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of psychological work and community work, but you know, so when the kid is 13 months old and the the challenges are g- get them healthy food, what, what are some things that you have seen work for, for really, really busy parents?
3: Yeah. The first thing I have to say is the parents have to be on board themselves. If the parents are modeling this way of eating because they truly believe in it and they're showing the children that these are healthy foods and delicious foods too, I might add, not just, you know, you don't just eat it because it's healthy. You eat it because it tastes really good and you make it taste really good. So I think the first thing is setting the example at home and the parents have to be completely on board and not give the kids junk food. And I know it's hard. In today's society, it's much easier to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and get your kids a Happy Meal than it is to prepare a nice cooked meal at home, especially when you're working full-time and you don't have a lot of time. And I have to admit that in the early days, I relied a lot on the frozen vegetarian foods like Amy's Pizza and frozen peas was a common dinner in our house. But the more you read and the more you educate yourself – the more you realize how important it is, and then you find tricks to make it easier. And I heard Chef AJ say this, and I absolutely concur that one of the things that really helps is to do what I call bulk cooking. So you find a time that works for you, whether it's a weekend afternoon or an evening during the week, and you set aside a couple of hours to cook things in bulk. So I'll make, for example, a big batch of a grain like quinoa or or rice of some sort or... um, you know, any kind of millet, there's so many different grains you can make. So a big batch of grains. I personally prefer dried beans to canned beans, but you can certainly use canned beans. So I'll make a big batch of beans. I have a pressure cooker that's actually a multi-purpose cooker called the Instant Pot. And um, I'll make a big batch of beans in that. And then you can chop up a bunch of vegetables or you can use frozen vegetables so that you have them on hand. And you have things in your pantry too, things like diced mushroom. Or sorry, diced uh, tomatoes, tomato paste, vegetable broth, and then you can have the Asian dried mushrooms. And what you can do with those ingredients is basically you can throw together dishes in a very short time, especially if you do have a pressure cooker. But even if you don't, if you have a slow cooker or just a stovetop cooker, you can throw together things like stir-fries, soups, stews, you know, any kind of thing that you can just put together with those basic ingredients. And then if you do decide to make a big batch of soup, for example, you make a double batch, and you can freeze away some in individual containers, and those are things that can go to school or to daycare with your kids.
0: So what kinds of things do you find that kids naturally like, the first time
3: you know when when I, i remember very clearly when i was first transitioning my kids from breast milk to solid food they loved things like squash and mashed sweet potatoes you know the sweet sweeter vegetables um and then when they got a little older things like cooked carrots and beets those sorts of things but i think you know as a parent now um, if I could go back and do it all again, instead of buying the vegetarian muffins from the, from the market that I was buying, I would make my own healthy muffins because I think kids really enjoy those. So I know Chef AJ has a really good pumpkin raisin. A muffin recipe, and I actually put wild blueberries in that one. My kids love it. And then straightupfood.com is another excellent blog. She's got some amazing blueberry muffins and carrot cake donuts, which I make as muffins. So I would say healthy muffins made with whole grains and fruits and vegetables are a really good thing. Um, there are healthy cookies you can make with oats. I actually have a recipe on my website for a healthy cookie. Things like chia puddings, Softer vegetables like sweet potatoes, or you could do sweet potato or regular potato baked fries where you don't really use any oil or salt. You just bake them in the oven. Um, Let's see. Things like overnight oats is a really good one. Oatmeal is good if your child likes it, but some kids don't like mushy things. So it really depends. You know, a lot of kids have preferences around texture and taste. So figure out what your child likes and then try to make a healthier version of it is my strategy.
0: Great. So, w- what do you do? I'm pretty sure, even though um, he's just you know 13, 14 months old now, that when the uh, chicken nuggets come out of the microwave or the oven or however they heat them up, they they give off this aroma, and all the other kids start eating them with you know greasy fingers and crunches. Is there anything that you could do that would approximate that experience so that as he gets older, he doesn't feel like he's missing out?
3: Well. You know, obviously, there are a lot of these fake meats out on the market, and I will admit, initially, I did use them. Um, now, my kids had never had meat, but I just felt like, well, all the other kids are eating nuggets, so I'm going to buy the, the vegan nuggets, which were made from soy protein. Well, I now know that isolated soy protein is not healthy at all, and it's highly processed, and so I would never recommend that. Um, but things like you can make loaves out of, uh, beans and whole grains and vegetables, and you can throw in some nuts and seeds. Some people use flax or chia seeds to bind, and so you can make a delicious loaf and spice it. And you can even make a ketchup. I know that straightupfood.com has an excellent ketchup recipe, so you can do things like that. And you can even bake them in a little muffin tin, so they're small. And you know, serve, send it along with a little container of the ketchup, the healthy ketchup, and maybe some baked fries, and you have a meal that's similar, not exactly, but similar. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. So it's, it sounds like muffin tins are a really potent tool in your arsenal.
3: Yeah, I mean they work really well, and I've actually read, you know, again, my kids are older, but I wish I had to do all over again because I've read that some people actually have these little muffin tins and they put a different type of food in each compartments each little hole in the muffin tin
0: because
3: huh. it's like kids like variety I think they have bento boxes too you can use but they kids like variety kids like color and variety and shapes and texture so you can really have fun with that
0: that's great any, any other suggestions for maybe for uh, talking to the employees of the daycare center or other parents any any way to start tilting community on your side Well,
3: for sure, a conversation with the daycare administrators absolutely is something I would have and I would explain that in my own personal situation or I would tell my clients to do the same thing, that we have concerns around health. We have a strong family history of disease and we want to take whatever steps we can to ensure that our child remains in excellent health. I would perhaps suggest to them, although I don't think it would happen, that they do read the book, Disease Proof Your Child, but just let them know that you've read it and you are really following this plan for your child and so his or her diet is centered around vegetables and fruits and beans, legumes, whole grains, nuts and seeds and that that they don't eat any animal products or any highly processed foods. And you will be happy to send in food and ask what their capacity is to store the food. Ask how much food you should bring in. Should you bring in a week's worth? Should you bring in just enough for that day? And tell them, you know, it's imperative that they work with you. And, of course, if they won't, I'm sure it's easier said than done. But then I, I would suggest finding a different arrangement
0: mm. for your child. But I, I love the, the kind of mindset Ooh. that you come at it with, which I, looking back, I think when we started our transition— my mindset was very apologetic. Like, yeah, I know we're nuts, but could you indulge us? And I kind of did that partly because I thought it was, you know, non-threatening, but also partly because I felt that way, (laughs) that I I wasn't fully owning it. Um, Neither, I think, do you want to be coming in guns a-blazing and telling them that they're poisoning children. But I love this, uh, this saying, you know, we have a a family history of disease. And you know, show me a family in America that doesn't have a family history of disease, you know, where, where everyone died at 90 on their porch, you know, of old age, peacefully in their sleep, not, not in a hospital bed with, with uh, tubes and monitors. Um, just to say, you know, we're, we're really concerned about this. I think it's a, it's a powerful yet uh, non-threatening, non-judgmental way to start the dialogue.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're not insisting that they change the food, at the daycare facility, although it would be nice. But you're setting your own example. You're taking responsibility for your own child. And I have never been apologetic because I don't feel like I have to apologize. They're my kids. I would not do anything to endanger their health, and I wouldn't let anyone else do anything. And I don't care what people think of it. You know, I mean, I certainly don't want to inconvenience anyone, and so I'm always willing to bring along food for my child. But I I won't apologize for that. Right.
0: Beautiful. I think this is, uh, it adds another dimension, another perspective, and a whole new set of tools. So I, my my blessing is that uh, everyone who listens to this, um, who's facing this issue, comes away empowered to uh, to change the system for your child or children and to create some ripples that, uh, that make everybody healthier. So Sharon McRae of uh, eatwell-staywell.com thank you so much for spending the time.
3: Thank you, Howard. There's one more thing I'd like to mention quickly, which is that I think it's important for parents to get support from other parents. And there is a Facebook group, which I co-moderate called Disease Proof Your Child, where parents discuss tips and recipes and things that have worked with their children. So your listeners might want to consider joining up with that page.
0: Great. I'll get the uh, URL and post it in the show notes. And if people want to find out more about you, do you work with people um, over the phone and virtually or just uh, in your office?
3: Absolutely. Over the phone or Skype is fine.
0: Great. So if people have specific issues and they're saying, well, yeah, this is true, but that's not exactly my situation, you can work with them and help them um, figure, figure out anything. Absolutely. Great. So I'll post a a link to your website. But just once again, in case people are are listening to this uh, on an iPhone away from the web, your website is eatwell-staywell.com. That's right. All right, Sharon. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I look forward to seeing you again soon.
3: Thank you, Howard. Pleasure to talk to you again.
0: I hope you found this show useful. And if you have friends with kids in daycare or starting daycare or not yet in daycare, I hope you'll share it with them. If you'd like more information about my guests, you can go to the show notes. Just go to plantyourself.com. And this is podcast episode 069. And if you'd like help from me, you can always contact me at hj at plantyourself.com. Um, I do coaching, consulting, teaching to help people unplug as much as they can or as much as they want to step at a time from this crazy consumer culture, this uh, celebrity driven, media driven culture that really is not good for us or our children or the planet and who wants to live a healthier, happier and more joyful life. Again, that's hj at plantyourself.com. Have a great week, my friends.